Blog Talk Radio. And welcome aboard. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. This is what we do every Saturday morning. We guide you through this crazy world of sports on the balance. Thank you for joining us. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're about to get to it. About to get hopping to it. We've got a lot to talk about in the college football world. We're going to be talking about that in the entire first hour uh, with Rick Riggin. And Scott Lamb, our college football extraordinaires. Mo can't join us this morning. Um, and then uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, brings, breaks down what's happening in Kansas this weekend. Also, uh, Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, joins us and helps us break down the NFL. Uh, Ed Kratz won't be able to join us today so all of that on tap right here on the on the balance radio network and 917-889-8516 is our digits give us a ringy ding 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 and we'll get uh <laughs> we'll get we'll get everything going we'll be right back right here on the balance radio network The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to the balance, 917-889-8516, our digits. Let's kick things off. Uh, getting ready to kick into our college football hour. Uh, we, we we titled the show today, Low COVID Tide. Uh, but but now we're finding out something new, so we'll get into that here in just a second. Rick Reagan, how are you doing, sir? Well, Tom, I'm stressed out this morning because my Braves had the Dodgers pretty well down and out. Now they let them back into the series here. So game six this afternoon, and uh, my uh, blood pressure's up. I'm stressed out. Hey, well, you know what? You're a longtime Braves fan. This should be something that your system is immune to. No, what we're immune to is just being down and out in round one. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not immune to coming all the way you know, this far into the playoffs and then especially being at three one and then gonna lose a series like this. So I'm stressed out, you know. So we got a max free today, eat Anderson tomorrow if necessary. So I think we'll be okay, but yeah, pretty stressful. Well cry me a river because my Cardinals aren't even in it. Joining us also is Scott Lamb. Scott, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, man. If Rick thinks he's stressed out now, what's he going to do at 3.30 this afternoon when his Notre Dame fighting Irish are still going to be in a dogfight with Louisville and he has to change the channel to the break? Stay away from him. Rick's going to be drunk by noon. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> of course, that's a normal Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. So, guys, let's get into this here. Let's really start talking about the elephant in the room. Nick Saban uh, tested positive. Uh, for the COVID-19, but now I'm seeing some other reports, some other Twitters, and maybe you guys can help clear this up. I, I was kind of still uh, going through those when the show started uh, that he, he that it could have been a false positive. What do we know about that, Rick? Yeah, so he's got to have three negative tests, and we was talking with Scott last night uh, He's got to have two of the three has to be within 24 hours. So that's going to happen this morning. Look, uh, Nick Saban's going to repel down out of the rafters like Sting from 1997. He's going to find his way onto the sideline today for that game. And then uh, it's, it's going to be a roll-tie roll, I guess, because if that happens, they're going to beat Georgia. That's the best thing that, that could happen to him because if Stark was going to take over as head coach of this game, Stark would have found a way to lose to Georgia today. So it's the best news in the world if you're a Tide fan. What I what I what I'm uh, like wondering is in the world that we have the world in uh, COVID now we're able to uh, have press conferences via Zoom uh, we're able to, I mean every call that I'm on during the week on Zoom or Teams or something like that it looks like they could find a place for him to be able to connect virtually to the coaches to and see what's going on on the field 
and be able to coach the game even if he isn't on the literal sideline. It looks like there could be technology could make that happen. Scott Lamb, what are your thoughts on on uh, Nick Saban in this Georgia game today? Yeah, so uh, the, initially the, the test that was positive, uh, they used an outside agency other than what the SEC has been providing, and it came back positive. Uh, they think it could be a false positive, but you've got to have another test to determine that. Uh, as far as – and he's been doing all his practices through Zoom, like you said, uh, but the SEC is not going to allow him to do anything like that if he's not in the stadium today. Uh, part of it is technology. Uh, if you are trying to coach by a Zoom from outside the stadium, uh, you, you start getting into a different world of can you tap into other people's headsets and, you know, how that technology and hacking work for a competitive advantage. Uh, they're not going to allow him to do that. Uh, maybe one day they can get there, but uh, that's just – it's not feasible. So what do we think, guys? Uh, do we think uh, that Saban – because let's, let's just face it. I mean, you've got – uh, the Holy Trinity, the, but you add one more. You've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and Nick Saban. Uh, Nick's going to find – I agree totally with what uh, Rick says. He's going to find a way to be on the sidelines today. And I guess that raises – going to be raising some eyebrows. Is he somehow able to manipulate the system, the workers, and everything else? Rick, we'll start with you. Oh, it's Alabama's football program. Anyway, you know, they, they, they manipulate so much as it is now to get all these five-star recruits. Uh, when Saban's gone, all this stuff's going to come out about that program, about all the shady things that's been going on since Saban's been there. Uh, trust me on that one. I mean, you got all this stuff about Bama money laundering, you know, through, through churches to pay uh, athletes' families. That way it can't be traced back to Alabama that way. It's all this crap that's been going on in Alabama. They'll find a way to get Saban back on the sideline today. If they were playing one of these uh, low-level Division two teams that they give a million dollars to to beat up every year. If it was like some regular situation that Saban wouldn't be on the sidelines today, but since it's Georgia, they'll find a way to get him on the sidelines. He'll be there in person, or they'll put a little computer screen on top of a robot and roll that thing up and down the sidelines. Either way, Saban is coaching this game today. Well, I'm sure that he's going to be able to watch the game. I'm just wondering, going back to what no, he's coaching the game. He's coaching the game. He's not watching nothing. He's going to coach his game today. Is it is it at Georgia or is it at Alabama? Alabama. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, if, if Saban somehow coached this game, I think it raises a lot of eyebrows how you can have a positive test four or five days ago and you're on the sideline. Uh, you know, just last week, Florida, they were trying to get the swamp pack for this game against uh, LSU this week that ended up being canceled. Uh, the state of Florida is allowed – uh, full stadiums um, in their state, but uh, the University of Florida uh, had was nixing the idea they were going to go 25% capacity. Uh, but they were pushing to have 90,000 people in the swamp. Um, and then a couple COVID tests, and now the whole game's postponed. So I don't know how we get from a coach having a positive test, high-profile coach, to now he's going to be on the sidelines in a matter of 96 hours. Right. And just to add to that, Scott, uh, just by comparison – Wes Miles was COVID-19 positive, and now he's negative. He's got the all clear by doctors, but he's not going to travel with the team today just for safety reasons. See, Nick Saban in Alabama, they don't, they don't think that way. It's all about the win. It's all about football. It's all about facing uh, Georgia today, so he'll be on the sideline. 
Well, let's let's break this game down, guys. Let's. It's Georgia. It's Alabama. You don't get a bigger rivalry than. Well, maybe you do. You have you have a Notre Dame and Michigan. You have a few other really big rivalries, but we'll certainly say that this is one of the top rivalries that are playing today. We'll start with you, Scott Lamb. Uh, let's break this down. I mean, let's face it. Georgia has a very strong defense, and Georgia can really uh, come in there and beat Alabama. Uh, COVID or no COVID, and and that's kind of going to be a huge momentum and a huge uh, uh, sh- uh, uh, shift in the in the in the uh, college football season, if you will, if that was able to happen. So, uh, first thought, you know, I, I wish this game was a bigger rivalry than it is. Uh, they haven't met in the regular season since 2015. They've only met five times since 2008, and and I would like to see Georgia play. Uh, Alabama more often in the regular season. Usually they, they have their rivalry game against with Auburn, Georgia does. So that's usually their common West opponents. Uh, so they met five times since 2008. Alabama's won all five or three of those were either SEC conference championship or national championship games. Um, the the big thing for me, we talked you talked a little bit about Georgia's defense. Uh, Alabama hasn't scored less than 35 points in over two years. And at the same time, other than uh, either national championship or conference championship georgia hasn't given up 35 points in over two years uh, i think all that changes today i also think that Saban's 21-0 record against assistance also changes today uh, alabama's favored by four and a half in this game right now uh, i think alabama does not score 35 and i think georgia continues to hold under 35 i like georgia in this game 27 25 rick what are your thoughts on alabama and georgia and what is your pick sir Hey, you know, I'm going to agree with Scott. I think Georgia does win a close game today. And I wish this was a bigger rivalry game than what it is because uh, it's Nick Saban. It's Bama. They won't play teams like Georgia during the regular season. That's why they only played five times over the past 12 years. Uh, he, he won't go on the road against top 25 teams. When he could schedule Georgia, he schedules Chattanooga State and teams like that instead. So uh, Bama's going to get a taste of own medicine today. And this is going to be the reason why that he doesn't want to step outside of the lines, you know, the friendly confines of uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa during a regular season and uh, play these big-time teams because I think Georgia's going to come in there today and, and get a win. Well, what do you think Kirby Smart's game plan is, Rick? Oh, they're 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 going to control the clock. They're going to limit. Well, they'll try to contain Najee Harris. Uh, Mac Jones uh, has turned into quite the uh, downfield passer now, and uh, he's got Waddle on the outside. So they're going to lim- try to limit that uh, as a uh, – well, I don't know limit's the right word – control uh, that threat. So they got multiple threats to worry about, but Georgia's offensive game plan is going to be Georgia. Just pound the ball, run the ball, run that clock down. That's the reason why uh, – Bama's not going to put up 35 today. Scott's right. It's going to be a really close game, and I think it's going to work out great for Jordan. Uh, Scott, uh, Kirby Smart, I don't know why my brain's fried right now, but Kirby Smart, what's his game plan to make this happen? He's got he's got to get this uh, uh, Georgia team relaxed, uh, and he's got to be able to, to come into Tuscaloosa uh, today and, and be able to take care of business. It's a business trip for him. 
Yes, I, I, that, that's a good point there is, is relax. You can't come out and you can't give up 14, 21 points in the first couple of drives. They were down 21-17 at halftime last week against Tennessee. I had said on the show that if Tennessee scored two touchdowns, they did well, and they had three touchdowns at halftime. They didn't score again after halftime. Georgia put the game away second half. Uh, but they can't do that against Alabama. They can't come out and get down, put up, give up three touchdowns early, uh, and think they're going to shut out Alabama in the second half. Uh, if, regardless of saving coaches or not, Sarkeesian calls the offensive plays. The uh, Alabama offense is going to click, but I think the Georgia defense can can neutralize that factor. Now, if Saban doesn't coach, then they have a problem on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Georgia runs the ball no problem. I think they get 250 rushing yards in this game. And like Rick said, it's going to be a ball control offense. Well, like you said, if he doesn't coach, that's a big if. I mean, I just saw a tweet from um, uh, ESPN a few minutes ago that said that his second test uh, tested negative. So that might be all that that right. right. He's in in then. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, here's the thing. I, I. I'm an anti-Alabama person anyway. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's not that I'm against success. I'm, I'm, I'm with Rick on how success is toted. I love Notre Dame. and But, I, I mean, they're the loudest uh, fans in the room. But I, I, there's something about Alabama that just that you know is something shady, something shifty. So I always try to root for the underdog, no pun intended in this particular scenario. Um but I also find it very hard to, to pick against Alabama at home. Now, there's a couple things that I think that Georgia has to do to come in there and beat Alabama. They have to start better. Georgia's offense has given up more than 4.7 against opponents in six of opening games and second drives than it has scored itself. They've got to control the run game. I mean, that's a huge thing. And they've got to establish their own run game, which um, – I mean, I think they can do it, but they've just not proven that they have a very solid thing there. And they have to use their defense. We were talking about earlier, Scott. They have to use their defense to rush that pass passer. And I mean rush, rush, rush. I'm going to ride along with you guys on this just because I'm an anti-Alabama fan, and I would like to see uh, Alabama lose at home in spite of the fact that Nick Saban is going to be on the sideline. And I'm going to go with Georgia as well. So we all three uh, are going with the Georgia Bulldogs today. So let's go get on to you another know, Tom, game. Just real quick, I was just going to add one last thing here. Uh, whether Ole Miss is stealing signs or, or not last week, uh, they did expose the weaknesses against Bama. So now Georgia has that, that some sort of blueprint to go off of. They know where to attack Bama today. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Well, another big SEC matchup that we've got in our games of the week, and and um, and that's uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. And uh, I'm an IU guy, so I think everybody knows where I stand on Kentucky. Uh, but you've got this SEC uh, mat- matchup. Obviously, Melissa's a, a Tennessee fan, uh, but. Uh, Let's kind of break this down. We'll start with you, uh, Scott. You know the lines. You know what's on the line, uh, Kentucky versus Tennessee. Okay, yeah, so Tennessee's favorite right now, six and a half. Over-under is 45.5. I really like what Tennessee did last week in the first half against Georgia. Uh, But then Georgia, obviously, their defense, you know, they they controlled that game in the second, and they came out and 
they were show that they were deserving of that top three ranking. Uh, Kentucky's been been decent this year. They've a pleasant surprise in the SEC in the in the top third. Uh, I don't think that they're going to – I think Tennessee will come out. I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to keep this game uh, under that line. I think Tennessee wins by a touchdown, uh, but this game goes deep into the fourth quarter uh, before Tennessee finally will pull it out. I got Tennessee 27-20 in this game. Rick, uh, what, are your, what are your breakdown on this SEC matchup? Yeah, I'm with Scott on this one, too, and I hate agreeing with you guys right off the bat every show. It, like, for some reason, it sets off the show <laughs> in, in, in the wrong way for me. But I, I agree with Scott. Uh, Tennessee is going to win another close one. I mean, I, uh, he, he's a, a Nick Saban disciple there. Jeremy Pruitt is. Came from Alabama. I think he was their defensive coordinator a couple of years ago. So, uh, he knows how to win these tight, tough games, pull it off, and and tell Melissa, I've been riding the uh, orange wave here for the past few weeks, so I think they're they're going to get it done again today. Well, here's the thing, and I'm I, I'm going to have to walk a, a, a tight line here because uh, uh, I, I live in close quarters. Yeah, you better, you better, you better watch out. <laughs> here's the thing, it, you know, when you do game studies and you look at games, and, and I know, in uh, in all fairness to everybody, you and I. And Scott, we discussed the games of the week earlier on in the week, so I, I do have some time to to do research on games. And and here's the thing, and this is probably one of the biggest rivalry that the Cats have on their schedule. And this this has, this is in Knoxville, so that that goes to to the to the side, I guess, of a home field advantage. If we had full fans in 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 the stands. And we don't. So I don't even think that home field advantage comes into play anymore. And you look at you look at a few people. You look at Kelvin jo- jo- uh, Joseph on the defensive, who's a strong defensive back, and uh, they have to to keep that deep pass control. And that's where Calvin Joseph comes from. You've got Chris Rodriguez as well. And uh, again, going back to to ball ball control. And and Keaton Upshaw has been screaming for a while in some way to get in the tight ends involved in the offense, and I just think that those are the three keys to the the Kentucky win. And you guys could probably disagree with me, but overall, both teams match up really across the board when you look up at the matchup, and you could you could talk to this too, Scott and Rick, if you want. Uh, but what I what I see here is a very strong and determined University of Kentucky team as much as I want to go for the for the volunteers and I want to uh, go against Kentucky I've not had very good luck and you know I, I thought well you know I had something going on last week you you missed it but but uh, uh, Scott uh, uh, parlayed my my picks and, and I want to hear those results in a second because I think I saw some of them but I didn't pay attention to them so I'm going with Kentucky in a close win on the road against Tennessee. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as a rivalry game goes, this this is a big one. That it's one of those those border games. Uh, it and I really like Kentucky this year. And I and I try to go back and see how I can pick Kentucky to win this game. And and they've been in a few close games already. Uh, but I just I think Tennessee after it's you got to go to level of competition also. And I was, I was really impressed for the football Tennessee play last week against Georgia. Uh, I, I think that does something for their program to, to get through that game. 
uh, it wasn't the result they wanted. Um, but I, I just I, I can't I, could, I couldn't figure out how to take Kentucky in in that line, even even given the points. And I, I think Tennessee covers still. Well, the last that I saw this morning on the Kentucky game, Tennessee is a seven point favorite. So you, you probably might be. As safe right, right now, I, it would be a push. Yep, I, I really like it at six and a half. I wasn't able to buy it yet. I was, I'd be buying when I get done with the show. So if it gets down to six and a half, then I'm taking Tennessee. If it stays at seven, it's probably just push. Hey, Rick, you're down there in Cat Nation, a lot closer to it than I am, and certainly uh, from the same neck of the woods as you. And, and I know that there's as many uh, UK fans down there as there is IU fans. Uh, so, uh, what are your thoughts from Cat Nation around just around the fan world? Well, just like I said, Jerry Pritt, the uh, coaching tree that he that he, he came from, uh, can win games like this. Knows what it's going to take late in the game to pull out a win. But the history of Tennessee football these past five years is to also lose games like this real close to find a way to lose. Uh, I think Tennessee is a Yes, I think Tennessee is a, a year away from being a year away, and uh, but I do think they get a close win today. And here's the thing: I don't think either one of us is making uh, either three of us. Is that a word? Either three of us is making a bad pick because this is really one of those things can go either way. I, but yeah, I just think this is a, a a a. I think Kentucky is good good enough. <laughs> They're not great. I think we've uh, I think we've talked this one up to be the game of the week. <laughs> uh, we got Bama Georgia, which is dead, you know, and then uh, we're talking hyping up this one. How, how great oh, this, oh, this is a, this is a, this is a, a good appetizer <laughs> watchable game, that's for sure. So Scott, before we move on, uh, you parlayed some games that I picked last week. Uh, if they had all played out the way they were supposed to, you would have made about nine hundred bucks. But the last I checked, you made about twenty. So I guess that's something better than nothing. Yeah. Huh? It was only a five dollar. Yeah, yeah, I put, <laughs> yeah I, oh, I, I put two dollars on it. So it, essentially, that was a, a four forty five hundred to one is what the odds ended up being off, off of a hundred dollar bet. Uh, so so if I do this every week, I did the math. If I do this every week with you, Tom, then I should hit once every nine years. <laughs> well, get, it, yeah. get it get it started uh for for this week well guys uh we move on to texas a&m and uh scott we'll let you kick us off on that and certainly again uh texas a&m mississippi state what are your thoughts yeah i'm, I'm really intrigued on it to to see this game um so mississippi state uh they they, they lost to arkansas uh, the Kentucky game, they only scored two points uh, in all that since they opened up with that big LSU win that Rick called back in week one of the SEC. Uh, I really like Mississippi State. That's State's a game I hit too. once every nine years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, my, my, that was my big pick last week was uh, uh, Colony. Uh, never mind, that wasn't last week. Uh, a, A&M's defense, so they're giving up 34 points per game and 400 yards per game. And contrary to Mississippi State's defense is only giving up 285 a game. Uh, a and is favored by five in this game, and I'm going to pull Mississippi State to get the upset at home, 27. Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, Jimbo finally got his signature win last week against Georgia. Uh, Kellen Munn finally looked like the quarterback we 
thought he should have been looking like these past couple of seasons. Uh, I think they're going to ride that momentum from last week. Uh, Scott says the spread is five. They're going to win by a couple of scores today. I think A&M and a couple of scores. Well, here's the thing, and and I'm going to tell you my pick here in just a second. But So I want to make sure that I've got it straight so that, that uh, Melissa has everything straight. First of all, we have we all have Georgia. You guys have uh, Tennessee. I have Kentucky. Uh, Scott, you have Texas A&M. No, I, I have Mississippi State pulling me up today. I think Texas A&M has a letdown after their big win last week. And, Rick, you're at Texas A&M. Yes, sir. All right. All right. I think we got it. Got it all now. You know, hey, I like Texas A&M, and I, I tell you what, uh, if if old Jimbo can come out there and do a Jimbo type game, uh, and and go in there and, and make things happen, it's at home, right? No, it's on the road, isn't it? For Texas Mississippi State's at home. Yeah. You know, I like Mississippi State, uh, that's for sure, and I've rolled them for a while. But I, I'm, I'm swapping things up. Sometimes you got to think outside the box. And and I, I think that Texas A&M showed that they could get some good wins and have shown that they can play some really good football. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna ride with Texas A&M on the road. I'm, I'm kind of sticking with the road teams today, but I'm going to go with Texas A&M and you know, I don't know the line on it right now, but I'm going to go 31-24. I don't, we'll see how close then I am on 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 that. Uh, Rick, uh, Jimbo's keys to the gumbo. What are your thoughts? Well, this is one of those games he's going to have to win because they were already talking about, uh, you know, the hot seat, man. The seat's getting a little warm for Jimbo because it hasn't gone all that great. They're paying him all this money. Uh, he's – if he's not the highest-paid coach, he's top three with that contract at A&M. So it hasn't gone that great. He doesn't do a good job at developing quarterbacks. He had Jameis Winston at Florida State, and that went pretty good. Now he's got Kellen Munn. When Kellen Munn was a freshman, they all this kid's a future Heisman Trophy winner, potentially. And he just hasn't progressed uh, that way. But he had a great game last week. It's one of those games Jimbo Fisher has to win because uh, the coaching change uh, buzz is uh, heating up down at College Station because he ha- he hasn't done anything different than what Kevin Sumlin did at A&M. So uh, this is a game he's going to have to win. And, and uh, talking about that contract, I think didn't he get like a John Gruden-style contract, like 10 years, $70 million, something like that? Yeah, it's it was, it was a huge it's, contract. It, 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 it's, it's a top – I don't know if he's – Saban might be the highest paid coach. I'm not sure. Jimbo might be number Saban, two right 20 now. and then Jimbo. Jimbo, yeah, so he's top three at A&M, and he hasn't produced the wins just yet. So, you know, there's there, there's the buzz, the chatter. You can hear it. Well, we'll see what happens. Now we get to this game that we know is going to uh, launch Rick into AA meetings next week. <laughs> <laughs> we got Notre Dame and Louisville. We'll let you kick it off, Rick. Go right ahead. I don't worry about Notre Dame in this game. Uh, I went to the Louisville game last year, actually, and uh, I tell you what, that was stressful that first half because Louisville was uh, kind of getting in our b-holes a little bit there in that first half because uh, that's a hostile stadium to go to. It was sold out, to, obviously, because Notre Dame was in town. 
I think it was probably a half and half Louisville Notre Dame fans there, but that place was wild. And uh, us not being able to move the ball in the first quarter. Of course, that was the first game of the year, uh, and they had that's when Louisville, Louisville had Puma Pass. He was a great athlete, not that great of a quarterback, but uh, they kind of spread us out in that first that first half and uh, last year. It, it's not going to be like that today. Uh, like I said, I've been saying Notre Dame is one of the best offensive lines in the country. Did you see the big Grand Canyon gaping holes that Notre Dame opened up against Florida State last week? I, I know it's Florida State. Well, look for more of that today. Uh, Notre Dame is probably going to rush for over 200 yards on them. Uh, I know you guys think it's going to be a close game, but it really isn't. The last time I saw Notre Dame was 17-point favorites. They didn't cover last week, though, but they also had two fumbles inside the 20-yard line and just handed the ball to Florida State. That game wasn't as close as the final score was. Uh, today's going to be a lot different. Uh, they do cover that 17 points today, no problem, and I'm not stressed out about that. It's just game six of the uh, playoffs, the Braves starts like in the second half of this game. So I'm stressed out. I'm more stressed about that than I am the Irish against Louisville today. Scott, what's the line? What's on the line for uh, uh, Notre Dame and Louisville? Show, before the show started, it was at 16 and a half. Uh, Notre Dame's one and two against the spread so far. Uh, what Rick talked about their offense a little. I'm kind of excited about that Notre Dame secondary. They've only given up 212 yards passing a game on the top through that secondary, uh, plus with the pass rush. And that's against teams that are trying to fight back against Florida State, who tried to come back in the second half in that game against a 52 nothing game against South Florida. Uh, so even when teams are trying to just go through attack through the air, uh, they're not giving it up. Uh, what I do think about this game, I, I think Notre Dame will cover. They'll get to two and two against the spread. I got the game at 39-22. Uh, but I think this is going to be a slow first half for Notre Dame, and then they'll pull away in a second. You know what? Here's the thing. And, and I, Notre Dame didn't have the cleanest game against Florida State uh, last week. Uh, but its offense did show up. we got to give credit where credit's due. And, and it is certainly capable of scoring a lot of points in a hurry. And Louisville's defense really struggled to contain Georgia Tech and allowed more than 40 points in the second time for the second time in three games. So this is a troubling sign for, for Louisville. And Notre Dame, again, against a, a top-five team. So it makes it a bit difficult for me to, to go with Louisville on this game. And I think it's going to be a lot bigger. I mean, I think we're looking at a 45-23 game. I think it's going to be that kind of a, that kind of a win for Notre Dame, and it's certainly going to be a good shot in the arm uh, for that. So I'm going with Notre Dame, 45-23. Again, another road game. I think that's all yeah, there we go. That that, that sounds like it big, could be man. a lock of the week. Uh, all three are taking them to cover yeah. the 17 points. So you might have to put the money on the on the points for Notre Dame. That's right. There you, there you go. Well, guys, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, COVID outbreak. We're seeing it now happen with the Indianapolis Colts. But the, the more, and I guess what more sells the case for Nick Saban uh, bringing things back full circle is with the Indianapolis Colts, they closed the facility. There was talks about the games being postponed. And then yesterday afternoon, we realized that a lot of these were false positive tests. My 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 sell on this with Nick Saban is that false positive tests are common 
across the board. We've got to figure out something on how to get a more accurate testing because, I mean, it, it just seems like that we're, we see a whole handful. Indiana, for example, had its largest uh, reported cases yesterday than it ever has. Uh, you wonder how much of that is false positive, and it got and it falls into the sports world that 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 we have. So we'll start with you, Rick. Is does the NCAA as a whole have a good system? Because we're getting ready to talk about the Big Ten coming back, so that's huge. If if they don't have this figured out. But is it also reliant upon like the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten to handle and monitor and control those testings? Go ahead, Rick. I think they have a good system in place. Uh, so far, everything is working. We're having these games that are really, for the most part, uninterrupted. I know we've had Notre Dame had to postpone uh, a game, and they're going to play on December 12th now against Wake Forest. Uh, Florida's the same way. Uh, the Cincinnati Tulsa's now the same way. I think the system uh, is in place, but what it comes down to is we get a bunch of these teams now. They can't have any more, like, speed bumps along the way. Like Notre Dame, they have another outbreak on the team. They, have to, they don't have to cancel games. There's no more room to, to make up games. So that's where the problem is going to be with the NCAA is we get teams with multiple outbreaks during the course of the year. and there's no way to make up games. And I think this right now single-handedly is allowing the Big Ten to get back in the conversation because, you know, my thoughts, I don't think the Big Ten should be eligible for the playoff, but now we have teams postponing games and teams losing games when they shouldn't be losing. Uh, now this is letting Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin to get into the playoff conversation already, and they haven't even played a game yet. But that's the Big Ten, too. Uh, they're playing these eight games all in a row. So if one of those teams has an outbreak and they can't make up a game, so that's where the NCAA is going to run into a problem. Scott, what are your thoughts on how the testing is being handled when we look at the, the false positives? And, you know, and that's the case that Nick Saban is going to play and, and he's going to be able to coach today as it looks like. So um, we can say, well, it's Nick Saban, something crooked went on, but we're seeing this false positive stuff happen across the board. I think there's something to be concerned about that. And, and I've been concerned about that for a while. And part of it is, you know, when this outbreak happened and we started rushing out all the testing, you know, how accurate are the tests? Uh, you can get a false positive and that's, you know, that's going to count as the numbers of a, of a positive case. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if it was a false positive, did you even have it in the first place? And then you have to get into antibody testings and find out all that stuff. Uh, I, I've had friends, we've done a lot of testing in the military to be able to go back to work, especially when they, we had the first shutdown back in March. You have to test to go back to work. I have a lot of friends who go home and, hey, I tested positive and I have to go home for 14 days, and they never had a symptom. So was it a false positive? Was it in when you can do repetitive tests, you can find out if it was a false positive. But if you just go straight into your quarantine and then come back 14 days later take a test, did you have it or not? Uh, so it just has to do with the testing and the expedite, expeditious manner that they put the test out to find out if people had it or not. Uh, that's that's my opinion. When we talk about the sports, I'm starting to get a little more pessimistic. Um, games in the FBS canceled this weekend, three of them with top ten teams, two of them in the SEC. Um, and then you talk about the NFL, and there's what Rich said, there's no room to be able to add these games back into the schedule. The, the Patriots, who had their game postponed last week twice, 
uh, to, against the Broncos tomorrow. They just had another test positive, and they have a second that they're trying to confirm. Uh, if they cancel that game, the Broncos have already changed their schedule. They were supposed to play Miami this week. That got pushed back to week 11. Uh, next week, which was going to be their bye, they're going to play the Chargers now. Uh, there's no more room if they postpone this game. There is no more bye weeks. You're going to get teams that are going to play 14 or 15 games, and you get into playoff implications. Do they have to play the full 16 uh, to see if you can get into the playoffs and, and such like that? I'm starting to get more pessimistic because there's just not room to add these games back into the schedule. Well, guys, let's talk about the return of the Big Ten. That happens on Friday, my birthday, October the 23rd, Illinois at Wisconsin. We'll, we'll go into the other games uh, next week, obviously, and, you know, uh, Penn State at Indiana, we'll, we'll certainly touch on that. Uh, again, Nebraska at Ohio, Ohio State and all that we'll talk about next week. But Friday's game at 8 o'clock on the Big Ten Network, at Illinois at Wisconsin. We'll start with you, Rick. Uh, easy win for Wisconsin here. Uh, I, I will say that uh, Wisconsin's only existence in football is to be ranked somewhere like between four and seventh in the country and then lose two two big giant games and finish, you know, with two or three losses at the end of the year. Uh, they only play eight games, so that they're going to be like a five and three record this year. That's pretty consistent with how they finish every year. That is because uh, Paul Chris has been in Wisconsin. Uh, that is uh, – Wisconsin's only football existence is to be ranked really high at first and then lose two or three games they shouldn't lose and uh, just go to the Holiday Bowl or whatever they do uh, every year. So that is the uh, the existence of the ball. The easy win against Illinois. Scott, return to Big Ten football, Illinois at Wisconsin. Yep, I, Wisconsin won't have a problem in this game. I do want to see if the Big Ten comes out flat like these other conferences did. Uh my my big thought on the Big Ten returning is that they have they're gonna have an eight game regular season schedule and then they'll have their conference championship on December nineteenth. Uh same week that Pac twelve has theirs. Pac twelve is gonna do a six game schedule when they return. Uh when you when you look at the schedule, right now you got five Big Ten teams in the top twenty five. Ohio State has, is receiving first place points or first place votes in the coaches poll. And they're only gonna play two ranked opponents. They're gonna get Penn State in their second week and they're gonna get Michigan again at the end of the year. Michigan might not even be ranked in that final game on December 12th in that rivalry game. Uh, so when you start looking at eye tests, when the college football committee comes out and figures out who their top four teams are going to be, you're going to get Ohio State, who just isn't going to have a big level of competition. They're not going to play Wisconsin unless both of them get to the championship game. Uh, and you can have an 8-0 undefeated team going to get that one of those spots. We're talking with Rick Reagan and Scott Lamb, our college football extraordinaire. Mo cannot join us today. 915, I mean, I'm sorry, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, give us a call. We'll talk some college football with you. A few more games to go to, and then we'll get into the to the to the uh, World Series chase, if you will. Uh, but we'll start with you, Rick. We've got Clemson, number one Clemson, uh, on the road against Georgia Tech. And that's an really a talk about here is just how long Trevor Lawrence is going to play in this game. Maybe they take him out at halftime because uh, Clemson's going to win big. I, I tell you, there's a couple games down the road here that I'm looking forward to Clemson. Uh, North Carolina all of a sudden is looking like uh, uh, world beaters in the ACC. I'm loving the way Mac Brown, what he's done with that team, especially the running game. Great quarterback right now. Uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Clemson, Notre Dame are the uh, two games to watch out for. Uh, but the way Clemson handled Miami last week, uh, this just looks like 
it's Clemson, and then every other team, including Notre Dame, it might be a step and a half, two steps behind, because uh, Clemson's looking like the uh, with the thirty third NFL team right now. <laughs> this is very true, very true. Scott Lamb, what are your thoughts on this Clemson game? Yeah, Georgia Tech's giving up 448 yards per game on defense. Uh, the only thing to really look for in this game is can Trevor Lawrence pass Russell Wilson for most uh, pass attempts without interception, dating back over a year now. And he's 25 attempts without an interception. He breaks the ACC record. Uh, and like Rick said, does, is he going to get there or are they going to pull him in time? Uh, this game isn't going to be competitive. Uh, the line's 27. I got Clemson by 31 with score 44-13. And the only thing to watch for is can Lawrence break that record. Well, and I certainly have no reason to go with Georgia Tech on this game, so I'm going to ride the train with Clemson. Obviously, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Johnson's long gone from that program. <laughs> and just, just because I like to say the word cock, Auburn in South Carolina. What are your thoughts, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> well, driving down to Florida last week, got to listen to a lot of that Auburn game because you get through, you drive through Kentucky and Tennessee pretty quick, and then you're in, in Alabama like all day long, like Alabama never ends. But when you're in Alabama and you kind of drive right between Tuscaloosa and Auburn, but we pick up the Auburn game, and uh, I gotta say I was impressed with, with I've been impressed with Auburn lately. It just comes down to uh, which Gus Malzahn head coach you're going to get, the uh, coach of the year or the, the guy that just loses games he, he shouldn't be losing. I think Auburn's going to win today. I love their running game. Uh, they're starting to step it up defensively now. I think Auburn wins this one. Scott, what are your thoughts, Auburn, South Carolina? Well, Rick is impressed with Auburn, and, I mean, it's, it seems like it's been a long time ago when I picked Auburn to beat Georgia. Uh, I don't know what happened <laughs> to Bo Nix. That, that offense is only averaging 199 passing yards a game, and I got it. You know, they went against the top defense in the country in Georgia, so that skews those numbers a little. Uh, but I'm more impressed with South Carolina's defense. They average 330 yards per game is what they're giving up on defense. They've been competitive every game they've been in. I'm going to take it South Carolina with the upset today, 28-26. South Carolina with the upset, so the Gamecocks are yeah, the there's upset. Just there's just something about Will Muschamp in games like this. I, I I don't know what it is. Like he just can't get over the hump. So I, it, that's it why seems I like it's a one-score game. They lose every time. Right. Yeah. There's just, there's just something about it. So that's why I'm just taking Auburn close. I'm gonna stick with my road teams. I'm gonna go with Auburn as well. So we'll see what happens there, Scott. With you, one more game. Uh, let's talk about North Carolina, ranked number five on the road against Florida State. Um, as we saw last week, they can make very good teams uh, struggle. Uh, Florida State can against uh, uh, Notre Dame, as they showed against Notre Dame. But they are only a one and three team, and so and we look at uh, North Carolina at a three and zero team, and they're ranked number five. So I'll, I'll stick with North Carolina on this one on the Tar Heels. Again, sticking with my road teams uh, today. Uh, go ahead, Scott. Man, when we look at this, and we're starting to wonder how far Florida State's come over the last four years, and they are just downward spiral. Uh, what I really like about this game, I think UNC, I think they got the best defense in ACC right now. Uh, I really like Florida or Notre Dame's secondary, but I think as a whole, North Carolina's defense is, is cream of the crop. We talked earlier that Notre Dame can't seem to cover the spread. I think North Carolina can cover the spread. This spread's 13 and a half, and I got North Carolina winning by over two touchdowns. 
Rick, what are your thoughts? North Carolina, Florida State. Yeah, just watch out that can't cover the spread thing because Notre Dame spread was like 107, and then we just need a couple touchdowns to cover the spread in North Carolina. So, here, watch out with that. <laughs> All right, guys. But I'm with Scott. Roll. All right, nobody wants to argue with you. That's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, North Carolina, they'll, they'll cover the spread. I'm with Scott. They'll win by three, three possibly even four touchdowns because – uh, Mac Brown's got Carolina just uh, clicking on all cylinders. He's doing it fast from where people thought he would could do it. Actually, when he took the job, they didn't know Mac Brown's even too old to even still do it. But he is recruiting his ass off down there. Uh, he's got that program just completely turned around. Uh, they're going to win big today. They do cover the spread, unlike Notre Dame, who had a spread of 117 points and just couldn't quite cover it last week. Uh, but they, they'll cover the 13 points. <laughs> All right, guys, let's roll on into this uh, World Series chase. We almost know who's going to be in the World Series, almost. And uh, we got a Game 7 against the Astros in the Rays. Uh, certainly, this is going to be uh, the series is tied up at 3 and 3. This is a money game, winner takes all. We'll start with you. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts? The Astros and the Rays. And the Astros looked dead in the water when they were down 3-0. And, I mean, what's it been? Since the 2004 ALCS when the Red Sox came back in that magical season against the Yankees down 3-0. And I think the Astros become the second team to pull it off and they take the series. Rick, what are your thoughts on the Astros? I have to agree. Uh, I think the trash throws are getting ready to tell us all to kick rocks, <laughs> you know. So I think that uh, the whole coronavirus thing helped them this year because they would have been heckled like crazy if everything was, like, back to normal. And I think that's going to happen next year. But if they, if they make it to the World Series and actually win it, uh, I guess we can all go to hell, right? We can kiss their ass. Yeah. Uh, garbage can ban. Uh, the, you've heard of garage uh, bans, the garbage can bans. Well, I I tell you what, I've liked the way the Rays have looked all season long. It's been kind of a weird and funky season. Rays deserve to get to the World Series, and, you know, what a better time to do it and what a better team to do it against. So I'm going to go with the Rays on this, get to to the World Series. Let's move on over to your uh, team there, Rick. Uh, game six, as you, said, as you mentioned last night, the Braves found a way to let the Dodgers back into the hunt. Uh, which is really something that you shouldn't do, especially considering the pitching staff that the Dodgers have. But I've been impressed with the Braves, for sure. So I do like the Braves, especially since my Cardinals aren't in it. So what are your thoughts on the Braves and the Dodgers? Well, the the bats got to get going for the Braves because now we're back to the top, the uh, pitching rotation for both teams. Uh, Walker Buehler's on, on the mound today for, uh, for the Dodgers, and uh, he throws hard. He's the race. He's uh, We got to him uh, in game one. We got to do it again. The bats got to get going for the Braves. Cause, uh, the Dodgers are off. Every time they come up, you don't know if that's going to be the big inning for them or not. You know, and, the, of course, they had the 11 runs in game three. Uh, they had a big inning last night, won the game for them last night. Uh, the pitching's got to be there because our bullpen, honestly, is, is awful. Um, we have a couple guys that can come in and shut them down for an inning. But uh, as you saw last night, uh, when Will Smith comes in for us, uh, he walks everybody or gives up home runs. Uh, that kicked off the big inning for him last night. Our bullpen's got to 
uh, do a better job, and our hitting has to be better than what it was last night. So, yeah, I'm scared to death. Uh, it's been since uh, 1999 since the last time the Braves were in this position. So let's not screw it up. The bats got to get going. We got Max Freed on the hill tonight. Uh, at one time, he was the uh, Cy Young front runner this year. I mean, he's not anymore, but still a really great pitcher. So we can't allow them to – our bats got to get going, and we can't allow them to have the big inning. So you're thinking if they close it up tonight, or you, you think it's going to go to a game seven? I think they close it up tonight. I don't know what it is about the Dodgers. They haven't been able to put together two good games. Uh, in the series, so I, I think they do. They they lock it up tonight. If we can get Bueller out third, fourth inning, or something like that, and go to their bullpen, I think we got it won. Scott, what are your thoughts on the Braves and the Dodgers? Well, I'll start off by apologizing to Rick because I was watching a game with him at his house yesterday, and I left during the pitching change with two outs in the sixth, and I probably <laughs> wasn't even out the driveway, and there was a three-run home run. Uh, yeah. So. Get, get, so I, I watched the, the entire game today. Uh, Rick might come over and maybe we'll watch it together. Uh, that whole was Rick. ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the biggest key is what Rick said is how far does Bueller go? Uh, I think if Bueller makes it into the sixth inning, goes five and a third, five and two thirds, something like that, then that means the Braves bats were cold, and I yeah. think we go to a game seven. If they can get last night, they had the pitching counts going up. In every, every, every batter, it seemed they were taking a pitcher, six, seven, seven pitches. Uh, if they can do that to Bueller and case them in the third or the fourth inning, then I think the Braves are going to pull this out. But that's what it's going to take. They've got to get the starting pitcher out of there quick. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I've watched the Dodgers because they, they play my Cardinals all the time. And I am very familiar with the Dodgers. And I know how they can – uh, they can manipulate their bullpen. I know how they can give you false looks and false reads. Uh, I don't ever uh, underestimate the Dodgers. This thing's going seven games, and the Dodgers uh, win today. Sorry, Rick, but it, it just they've just got a proven history of making it happen. And as we talked about early on in the show, the Braves – never seem to be able to put it together in the postseason, and Brave fans should be used to that. So <laughs> I think it's going to go seven games, and then we'll have to have another conversation about that. Well, let's go ahead and get our official World Series pick. We'll start with you, Scott. What are you, who are your World Series picks? I'm going to take the Braves in six over the Astros. Rick? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll pick the same thing. Brazen six over the trash trails. I love it. Okay. Well, I, I guess this is where I we, we part ways, guys, because I think the Rays are a very solid team. I've, uh, I mean, they've really shown a lot of consistency uh, through this pandemic and been able to do that. The, the, the Nationals do not deserve to be in the World Series. They, in fact, they should have been suspended from post uh, post season play anyway. So, for that fact, I'm going to certainly go with the Rays. And i got to still roll just based on historical data uh, with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have proven that they could get to the World Series in the past. But I like the Rays. So I'm the Dodgers' last the- World Series win was 1988, Tom. Their history is when we're trying to buy the World Series this past five years and then lose in the playoffs and not even make it there. That's the Dodgers' history. This ain't 1988 no more. Kirk Gibson ain't there. That's their well, history. He- 
Here's, here's what I will say, though. You'll, you'll get your vengeance because I do think the Rays will win in seven games. So uh, there there we go. We'll, we'll have it. We'll see what happens, and we'll, we'll see how up on social media. We've got all the picks up, uh, getting ready to get all the picks up there. Uh, well, final words of wisdom. We'll start with you, Scott. Yeah, I, my my big thing is I want to see how this next week goes with the uh, with the COVID stuff. We're going to see what the Big Ten before they get off their slate, uh, if they're going to get all their games on schedule next week, and then I want to see how they come out. I'm looking forward to next week talking about some Big Ten. Rick Brigid, what are your final words of wisdom, sir? Yeah, more football to watch next weekend. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, Braves Astros World Series, and uh, on the show next week we're going to be. Uh, well, I guess it starts on Tuesday, so I don't know what game we'll be in <laughs> uh, next time the show rolls around. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk World Series, uh, more football to watch, uh, but with more teams pop up with this COVID, I mean, it's it's starting to complicate things a lot now. This COVID is really starting to get on my last freaking nerve. So. Uh, you know, at least at least we're all we're all good, and there's no there's no test positives. But I did have a friend, a colleague of mine, um, him and his his wife both tested positive, and she's a nurse. So, I mean, it can happen to anybody. But uh, let's let's just hope that the that we're on the tail end of it. Uh, Rick Reagan, where can people find you working masterpieces, sir? On the Twitter at Reagan underscore Rick. And Scott, where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? At Infantry Blue 1978, NFNTRY Blue 1978. All right, buddy. All right, guys, we'll talk with you soon, and uh, we'll see who uh, gets to have the proverbial bragging rights of college football this week. <laughs> Sounds great. Look, look forward to talking <laughs> to you next week. All right, guys, we'll see, see you. See buddy. Yep. Rick Reagan and Scott Lamb breaking down college football for us with the last hour. We'll be right back with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, and our official NASCAR contributor. We're going to be breaking down what's happening out in Kansas. Baby, yeah, all the bad things you're making me feel maybe I am somebody. I can deal with the bad night when I'm with my baby, yeah. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Pass the ball, pass the rock. We're open. 
Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Oh, it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, welcome back to The Balance. Uh, thanks to Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb, our college football extraordinaires, helping us break down college football over the, the last uh, hour. Uh, joining us now, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, and our official NASCAR contributor. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. How was your trip to the mountain? Fun. <laughs> uh, a little getaway. So. Now, do you guys have like a cabin uh, somewhere hidden away out there? Or? No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I was as rich as uh, some people that spend their years in politics, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't have that luxury. <laughs> I get it. I understand. Let's get into this. Certainly, uh, we, we'll get into the Kansas uh, race here in just a few minutes. We'll get into the Xfinity race in the in the uh, truck race series. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, here recently. This week, we learned that Kyle Larson has uh, uh, applied for reinstatement. What are your thoughts? Well, like I, like I said a couple of different times over this, um, I, I I don't think I had any objections to the suspension at all. Um, I, I just feel that um, I just feel that uh, everybody was too quick to cancel out Carl Larson um, over, you know, what amounts to a, a really, really stupid mistake. And, you know, anybody, you know, everybody has heard something stupid in their life, you know, not, you know, thinking, you know, when they engaged their mouth before they thought about what they were saying and you know, we've all been, you know, we've all said something stupid. I mean, everybody, I, you know, nobody's perfect. And I just feel that, you know, um, you know, for Kyle, you know, I had no objections to him being suspended. I didn't have any objections to him going through the sensitivity training, but I just think in the way that it was handled, I think that being one of only two minorities that are in the cup series that, they were too quick to push him to the side, um, and, and this was across the board. This was, uh, you know, this was the car owner. This was sponsors. This was everybody involved, and I just think that they were just too quick to cancel him out, and I think he should have had an opportunity to go through the sensitivity training 
uh, be suspended and atone for his actions. But, uh, you know, that's the culture we live in today that we, you know, uh, fire people and we, we cast them aside before we give them a chance to explain. And, you know, the, you know, again, like I say, everybody has said something stupid that they didn't mean uh, or, you know, regret it in uh, after they said it. And, you know, it's just, I just felt like it was just a situation where it could have been handled totally differently. And, uh, you know, maybe he would have lost his ride. Maybe he wouldn't have lost his ride. But, you know, I just think that too, too many people were too quick to judge him. And, and, you know, I think you're right. Uh, you know, we, we live in a world now where everything is uh, hypersensitive, hyper, especially when it comes to race. And, you know, those are certainly issues that need to be addressed. So by no means am I uh, making excuses for Kyle Larson. What I do think is that because we live in such a, a ultra-sensitive world, it makes it very, very hard for anybody to be human. And so that, that said, he applies for reinstatement. First of all, let's take this step by step. He has to apply for reinstatement. NASCAR has to allow him to, to, to come back. Then the next step is a team has to pick him up. But beyond that, there ha- there's sponsorship money involved. So first of all, does NASCAR take him back? Second of all, does he get a team? And three, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for sponsors to put their name on that car. So even though they say that he could come back, he very well may not be back. Uh, Well, he's done everything that NASCAR has asked him to do. Uh, He's gone through the sensitivity training. He's been suspended. I mean, he's basically lost you know, his lifeline, you know, in, in, in racing aside from, you know, he's gone out there and won something like 35 or something on number of uh, uh, dirt car, sprint car races over the last couple of months. And um, I, I think that at this point that NASCAR has seen that he's gone and, uh, you know, we saw a CBS interview and, you know, he's written about it and he's gone and, spoken about it and I think he's atoned for you know what he has done and you know at this point I yes I I think NASCAR now brings him back Um, as far as getting a ride I mean look no further than you know some others I mean look at some of the things that Kurt Busch did back in the day and how many chances that he got Uh, you know look at Kyle Busch and uh, I mean well Kyle and Kurt have never you know done anything to this degree but you know you you know you've got you've got at least them and you look at their actions over the over the years and you know they've been given chances to to be bought back in uh different cars and kurt has uh uh, become a better person over the years and uh, you look at jeremy clemens that you know same situation where he said a word uh many years ago now with him and he's got a he's got a family on the team but still uh in nascar brought him back and he's been able to return to competition no harm no foul uh he atoned for his uh you know his word that he said and uh you know we we've moved on um as for a team that will pick him up and uh, the sponsors that will put their name behind it. Um, I, I really, you know, it, it's kind of one of those hard, uh, 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, between a, a rock and a hard spot that, um, you know, we're, we want to diversify the sport. We've had so much talk about diversity in the sport since Bubba Wallace. And I think, again, you know, my previous statement, he's one of only two minority drivers in the Cup Series. So, you know, for 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 teams and for sponsors to say, well, we support diversity in the sport, but then they say, well, no, we're, we're going to – we're not going to um, – you know, put Kyle Larson back in the car or sponsor him, I think is, you know, putting them in a, in a rock and a hard spot to say, well, either, well, either you do support it or you don't support it. So I, I think there's opportunities there for him to get in a car. I think there's sponsors out there willing to take their, uh, take a chance on Kyle Larson again, because I mean, he has been proven to, to be a winner. And, you know, again, you know, if we're going to diversify the sport, then, you know how do how do we say that? Oh, I'm sorry, you're you're one of only two diversity drivers in the Cup Series, but sorry, we're not going to put you in a car and we're not going to sponsor you. I think it, you know, it's kind of it, it kind of a little, it kind of like a rock and a hard spot. But I, at the end of the day, I do think there are dri- uh, car owners out there, and I think that there are um, sponsors out there that will take a chance on Kyle Larson, and I think that he deserves at least that chance. Uh, to come back and show that he has improved. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joining us to break it down some NASCAR news. Certainly uh, the, the breaking news this week that, that Kyle Larson applied for re- reinstatement. Another uh, big news that happened last week, and uh, we learned that uh, Clint Boyer uh, decided to, to uh, that passing up the TV uh, booth is, was uh, was uh, too good to pass up. So that tells me that these guys are getting some pretty good uh, coinage uh, for going into the booth, and that's great. I mean, Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. have did great jobs in the broadcast booth, and and certainly we'll see uh, what can happen with Clint Boyer. But uh, what do, what do we say when we say goodbye to Clint Boyer? Well, um, Clint is definitely a colorful character. Um, both on the racetrack and off the racetrack. We've had him in the booth. Fox has had him in the booth uh, off and on. And, you know, he seems to be one of the more popular drivers, um, you know, also up there with Dale Jr. and Kevin Harvick, Jeff Gordon, that have been in the booth or um, been part-time in the booth. And Clint uh, brings a wealth of knowledge to it. But He's also one of the more colorful characters that, you know, we have out there on the track. And uh, I, I think that brings some levity to the sport and it'll bring some levity to, to the, um, to the booth when he, when Fox goes back to a three man booth next year. And uh, I think it's good all around. He, he's uh I think he'll do well. We've seen him. We've seen him do well already in the booth. And again, like I say, it's. I think it really just surrounds his popularity and just, uh, you know, just the levity that he brings to the broadcast. Well, certainly he's just one of uh, many big names that we've seen over the uh, recent years uh, decide to to uh, put their hat up. Here's here's another big story that we saw happen in eliminating the round of twelve. Uh, uh, the reigning champion Kyle Busch eliminated in the round round of twelve. That's not something we're used to seeing with Kyle Busch. 
is that some sort of a if could we read into the team leaves that maybe something might be happening with him that we might be looking at at him looking at something uh, different other than being a driver coming up in the, in, in a few short years. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, Kyle Larson is still pretty young. He's still in his 30s. So, you know, he has a long ways to go in the Kyle couple Bush. Areas and it, Kyle Bush is what I said. Yeah. Did I say Kyle Larson? I meant to say Kyle Bush. No, Kyle, did I say Kyle Larson? Sorry about you, that. You yeah, did. Okay. Kyle okay. Bush. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, sorry about that. We're talking about two different Kyles. Yeah, no, Kyle Bush himself, he uh, he's still in his 30s, so he's still pretty young. I, I don't I don't think that. I don't think that he hangs his hat up over one bad year. Uh, you know, there's plenty of champions that have gone out there and had bad years and turned it around. So, you know, I don't I don't think that's indicative. I just, you know, they've struggled all year long, just all year. has been a struggle. It's been one problem after the next that they've had. Um, and, and, I, and I see, you know, he's frustrated, and this will be the first time in about, if he doesn't win the next three or four or the next, four races then it'll be the first time in like 13 14 years something like that that he hasn't won at least one race in the cup series since he's been here so you know i think uh for him yeah he's struggling he's frustrated um you know joe gibbs he's he's looking at what denny hamlin is doing um winning uh, at the degree that he has this year. And I think he's looking at it and just, you know, trying to figure out just this Joe Gibbs racing and everybody else over there is trying to figure out what's what's going wrong. And it just seems like this year has just, you know, really been a struggle for him. And for him to now be out of the championship this year is, uh, you know, a product of inconsistency. And, you know, that's something that, you know, we've uh, – you know, tried to instill that consistency and winning is, you know, how you move on, how you get in the playoffs and how you become the champion. And I think that's a product of, you know, the system in that degree working that he's been inconsistent. He hasn't won uh, and he hasn't shown the ability to compete with some of the other drivers like the Kevin Harvick's and Denny Hamlin's that are out there being consistent, that are winning at the degree that they're winning and being able to move on. Well, we've got the round of eight across the board with the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Series. So let's just kind of break that down. We'll start with the the Gander uh, Truck Series. And we've got Austin Hill, Sheldon Cred, Zane Smith, Grant, Grant Effinger, Brett Moffat, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crawford, and Tyler Ackerman all round out the top eight in the Truck Series. What say you, sir? Well, it certainly is a diverse crowd between champions, veterans, and newcomers like Zane Smith that, you know, has, you know, shown this year that he's been able to come out and win races like he has. Uh, You know, GMS Racing is fielding several of those trucks uh, between the – between Tyler Ankrum, Sheldon Creed, uh, Brett Moffat, Zane Smith, you know, they've they've pretty much got a lock on on this whole deal. So, you know, it's – they're putting a lot of resources behind it, and it's showing between the the, the talent that they're in the truck and the uh, you know the you know what they're doing back at the race shop. So, but you know you got you know Matt Crafton and Grant Enfinger, both of them have been around the truck series for a while, and uh, you know I think uh, you know you also got Austin Hill, uh, Austin Hill for for himself. So you know 
Uh, you know, it's a very diverse group yet again, but it's also a group that, you know, has uh, shown this year that, um, you know, they can battle it out. And, you know, as, a, as uh, rookies and, you know, newcomers to the sport like uh, Zane Smith and the truck series, but, you know, also being able to mix it up with the uh, Matt Craftons of the world. So um, I, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes down. And I think there's a lot of competition left and, uh uh, I, I'm glad that we have the diversity that we do um, kind of in the truck series this year, uh, aside from, you know, GMS rates can have like four and eight spots, you know, I, I think somebody could, you know, go back and look at what Roush did back in early 2000, 2003 or so that, you know, kind of led to the, to the playoff format that, you know, they, you know, NASCAR, they want to see one team have as many, uh, trucks or you know cars in in the final lineup but you know that is what it is and uh you know we uh you know i i again i i, I think that it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how these drivers are able to perform let's move on over to the xfinity series it's certainly a driver that i've enjoyed watching and, and well, one he's from indiana and two he's just really an up-and-coming driver, and I, I can tell you what, it won't be long before we see him running in the cup races. I'm just positive of it. And certainly he leads in the points in the in the Xfinity Playoff Series in the round of eight. Case Briscoe, love this kid uh, from Mitchell, Indiana, uh, just a, a few hours north of where we're located at, and certainly have had an opportunity to see him race here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the dirt tracks and have seen his career come up over the years. He's just really a great young driver, a great attitude, and really has his his uh, uh, head to the grindstone, if you will. And then Austin Cedric, Justin, Justin Allgaier, sorry, uh, Noah Gregson, uh, Dale Jr.'s boy there, not real boy, but just his driver <laughs> justin haley brandon jones ross chastain and ryan sig uh what are your thoughts on the round of eight in the xfinity series well i think chase briscoe season you know really kicking the high gear earlier this summer when we saw him win at darlington and you know it's him and austin cendrick uh another four drivers the two of them have been kind of battling it out you know week in and week out on you know taking home wins um you know, so I, I think, you know, for him, uh, you got a couple of good tracks coming up. I think Texas next week might be an opportunity for, you know, Chase Briscoe to go out and win a race again or, you know, Austin Cendrick. I think the two of them just continue to just battle at one another, and we'll see the two of them, I believe, in the, in, in the final four um, coming out in the next couple of weeks when they finally get to Phoenix. Um, you know, as far as some of the ones farther down the line, uh, uh, you know, just just all got just all guy uh, has had an up and down season, but again, he's been able to hang on and be able to get there and, and stay in contention as it is right now. Um, so I I I think you know with with Sieg, he's his season has held on by a string a couple different things times uh, for for a one car family owned team um, they're they're at least being able to show that they're able to go out there and compete with better resourced cars and better resourced teams and uh, that have better sponsorship and more money dollars coming in but. Um, you know, just like Brandon Brown that just got knocked out just a week ago, um, you know, it's, 
it's hard for these single-car, family-owned teams to compete in these series anymore. But, you know, for Sieg being able to come in and doing what he is and making it this far um, just shows the amount of work that they've put in to be able to get to the level that they're in. Now, I don't see him making it over, you know, into the Final Four unless something drastic happens and he wins because he's so far down at this point. But uh, I, I do see at least he... There is an opportunity, but it also shows that, you know, the, these teams that work hard will be able to come and, uh, you know, compete with these better-funded teams. So, Well, we roll on into Kansas this week, and we, we start the round of eight with uh, the Cup Series. And this is a really exciting uh, time for Chase Elliott and Brad Koloski. I mean, they, these are two drivers that you could look to make an appearance in, in the playoffs, and I'm sure – into the final four. Uh, but we look at Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Brad Klosky, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, and Kurt Busch. Joey Logano is another one to keep your eye on in this round of eight. Well, you know, Elliott's season, you know, was boosted last week, you know, just like it was last year when he won at the Rose one was able to kick him over into the round of eight. Um, but again, I just think the two strong, strongest performers are going to continue to be Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Those two have uh, just shown this year that they're going to be the two that we're going to have to watch every single week. Uh, we'll, we'll have some opportunities for other drivers to come in there, and I think Chase Elliott uh, in a couple of weeks when we get to Martinsville for the final race, I don't see any reason that he won't be our strong performer when we get there. But um, you know, Martin Truex Jr., he's another one that, you know, this year he has uh, traditionally been able to win on these mile-and-a-half racetracks. And, you know, well, we haven't had the opportunity to go to as many this year because of the COVID. But, uh, you know, if his season is going to be turned around and needs to be turned around this week uh, or next week at Texas, and, you know, he, he has seemed to be a driver in the past that, like I said, goes to these mile-and-a-half racetracks and is able to eke out a win. Um, or have been, uh, you know, competitive enough that he, he's been able to outrun the field with some strategy. And uh, I, I just think for him, he's he's going to have to turn around in the next week or two. So we kind of get into this week's race, and we'll, let's, let's break down uh, this the, this week in Kansas. Obviously, Chase Elliott and, and Joey Logano both uh, fared well. Uh, to be the the one and two spots there in Kansas. Talk with us about uh, the Kansas Motor Speedway, the challenges that it that it provides, and are they having fans? And in how's how's uh, NASCAR coming? Uh, I believe we've only had two drivers. I could be wrong on this. Correct me if I am. That have tested positive. So uh, NASCAR's did a pretty good job on uh, keeping things. Uh, 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 down and you know we look at the NFL having one outbreak after another we saw issues with the Colts but we were talking earlier on in the show that a lot of these positives turn out to be false positives and so uh, what happens is you get the positive and then everybody goes into this panic mode and then it turns out that it really wasn't a positive how has NASCAR did such a great job of of containing this pandemic within their sport as compared to other sports? Um, well, you know, the NASCAR, 
NASCAR isn't necessarily a sport like, you know, we see in the NFL that every week there's a new team with a new breakout. You know, those those are players that are in physical close contact with one another for, for hours on end throughout the week. So, you know, that just exponentially uh, increases your chances of getting it. Um, you know, there there's no social distancing. You can't wear masks. I mean, you know, there's, you know, bodily fluids and things like that going on in, you know, that sport. Or you don't really have that in NASCAR. And uh, NASCAR has tried to create a bubble-type situation like the NBA had. And even with the bubble, you know, there was, you know, some, you know, some, some, some cases. But, you know. Uh, you know, I think between them and they've had the separation between the the shop crews and the road teams, meaning that the uh, the shop crew has no interaction with the road team and vice versa, and the driver has limited re- interaction with both. Um, you know, so both not only throughout the week but on race day. So you know, they've tried to create these degrees of separation between everybody, um, and basically lock the infield down so that nobody coming in the infield um, is anybody other than essential personnel or, you know, track, you know, track uh, workers themselves. Um, As for this weekend, yes, there's going to be a few fans in the stands for the Cup Series race on Sunday. Uh, But, you know, again, it's limited with social distancing and all the guidelines that there have to be, you know, held, you know, to, to have fans in the stands. So for NASCAR, you know, it's it's imperative that they start getting fans back in the stands. And, you know, as we see the cases start to decrease, I think it's an opportunity to get more fans in the stands. But, you know, the, the infield, you know, unfortunately is going to have to stay locked down for a while um, until – you know, there there's more settling of the cases and the vaccine, things like that. So we look at the Kansas uh, race uh, this weekend. Uh, talk with us a little bit about Kansas. Kansas is a, a good track to race on and to get some high speeds at. Uh, what what are your thoughts about the the race at Kansas this week? Well, I think, you know, Kansas is just one of those places that sometimes that, you know, we, we see the – you know the indicative 1.5 mile races where clean air is is king, and whoever is able to capture that clean air and get out to the lead is you know going to be the driver that's going to be the hardest uh, to not only get around but the hardest to catch throughout throughout the event. Um, and Kansas is you know one of those one of those places that we'll see that. So you know I, you know that's where it kind of came back into where I talked earlier about Martin Truex Jr. and being good at these mile-and-a-half racetracks. And, you know, a lot of that has been all – well, I mean, there's talent involved to it, but, you know, these these cars in the aero that, you know, they produce the dirty wake and the dirty air that come from the cars, um, you know, just make these hard cars hard to pass and hard to catch, both, you know, at these mile-and-a-half racetracks when you get out there in that clean air and – um, yeah, that that that's gonna be, you know, again, who's ever whoever is able to capture that, whoever is able to get up, um, your 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 chances become very limited on, you know, what you do next. Um, you know, you do get the high speeds out there, you don't get as much track wear, uh, I mean tire wear on the tires, but you know, uh, you know, that that doesn't mean that there won't be some racing throughout the field, that it's just, you know, it's just the leader is the leader, and it's going to be hard to catch them, and it's going to be hard to pass them, and 
you know, while NASCAR is trying to find ways to fix that, and maybe that'll come in the next-gen car, you know, at least for the car that we have now, you know, that'll kind of be, you know, where we're at on, you know, whoever's the leader, they're going to be both hard to catch and both hard to pass. So, you know, uh, you know, the, the top two spot, <clears throat> excuse me, the top two that are starting, um, you know, they've, they've got very good chances of being able to get out in front of the field and actually uh, controlling this race. We've been talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, Steve, we learned that uh, Eric Jones is going to be replacing Bubba Wallace. Of course, Bubba Wallace is going to be moving on to the team with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Uh, real quickly, final thoughts, uh, words of wisdom, sir. Um, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got at least, you know, Bubba Wallace, that's, you know, a team that's uh, run by uh, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan that we've talked about, but then we also have a um, uh, we've got a team owner that's coming back into the sport um, and feeling a car for Daniel Suarez next year and the number 99 car. And then, yeah, the, the talks are ongoing about uh, Eric Jones replacing um, uh, Bubba Wallace in the 43. So, you know, that'll leave a couple of cars at least out there, the 32 and the 14, um, and some speculation as the oh and the 88, you know, there's at least three cars that are left out there um, that, you know, there's speculation on who will uh, take over those seats. Steve, we appreciate you joining us as usual. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Follow on Twitter at Speedway Digest, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks, Steve. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thanks, you too. Steve Wilson, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor helping us break down this week in NASCAR. Coming up, Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, filling in for Ed Kratz, uh, going to be talking some NFL as we roll into our final quarter right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 
or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Hey, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billy, Billy. My Billy. football extraordinaires breaking down college football and then uh, Steve Wilson breaking down uh, NASCAR this week out in Kansas and joining us now filling in for Ed Kratz uh, Tony Donahue with the Tony D podcast Ed has got some uh, conflicting stuffs going on with the Eagles this week so uh, Tony's going to take care of the NFL segment for us Tony thank you for joining us how are you hey how's it going good morning hey we're just talking a little bit on in the last segment uh, you know, certainly Chase Briscoe, number one in the Xfinity Series. You got to like that. Yeah, and it looks like there's a chance he can move up to NASCAR next year. Uh, that 14 car has, has became open, as we learned this week, that Clint Boyer is going to go and be in the Fox Sports booth alongside Jeff Gordon. So um, Chase Briscoe, uh, big race weekend last week and had a chance to, to win on the Roll Bowl. Uh, ended up spinning out on that last lap. But, yeah, good for Chase Briscoe, and uh, we'll see if he can continue his, uh, his great season this year. Um, and hopefully he, he wraps up that Xfinity championship. Yeah, it's interesting to see Clint Boyer retire, but it's certainly not surprising, uh, that's that's for sure. And we'll see. Fox must must have the Daddy Warbucks money because uh, he, he made a comment that he just said it was just too good of a, an opportunity to pass up. And, you know, let's face it, it does – even though there's a lot of work from it, it certainly allows them to be more – you know, connected with their families and so forth. And Dale's did a great job with it. Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon has did a great job with it. And I just, his personality meshes well with, with the, the TV. Uh, one of the other things we talked about, 
Kyle Larson applied for reinstatement uh, to NASCAR, which I'm totally in favor with. I don't have anything against him. Everybody makes mistakes, and he should be afforded that second chance. My thought pattern is, is there going to be a team that will pick him up, and is there going to be sponsors that will put their name on his car? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they will be. I think they'll be picked up by Hendrick Motorsports and be uh, behind the wheel of what is to be that 88 car. I think they'll change the number to maybe 57, which is a very popular number for dirt track fans uh, when they think about Kyle Larson because that is the that is the number that he runs on dirt tracks. Um, I think a lot of sponsors are going to look at it like this. Here's a guy who has messed up, made a huge mistake, did his time, so to speak, learned, continued to learn, and is a comeback-type story of a guy that made a huge mistake and gets a second chance and a second opportunity to make the most of it. So I think you will see um, some sponsors that say, look, everybody's made mistakes in their lives. It's unfortunate what he did. He's learned from it. He's paid his dues. He's went to Minnesota to help out. He's went to learning centers and talked with with, with, with prominent people in the African-American communities to learn and educate himself. Um, and, you know, he, he paid the ultimate price by losing his ride for – for this season, uh, getting fired from Chip Ganassi Racing. Going to end up landing on his feet at Hendrick Motorsports with a better opportunity to win races and to win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, also one would say he was starting to develop a pretty good following in, in the world of outlaws. So we'll see if he just kind of uh, stays connected to that community as well. Uh, and, of course, we, we, we see that uh, Eric Jones is going to be the uh, uh, replacement for uh, Bubba Wallace as he goes on over to the team with Michael Jordan and Denny, Denny Hamlin. So we'll see how that that pans out. Uh, more to come on that. Let's go jump on into the NFL conversation. And we might as well uh, start off with the Homer card. The Colts had uh, quite the scare yesterday, but it brings a two-part question here because it, it turns out that those positives were actually uh, test positives were not positive after all. They were false positive, and we're seeing that happen a lot. And we're also seeing that happen, what appears to have happened, with Nick Saban as well. And a lot of people play that Nick Saban card, okay, well, there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and Nick Saban. And that, you know, no matter what, Alabama, he's going to be coaching football against Georgia. But in all fairness, it looks like that he's having the same issues that we're having with this. It seems like we're seeing, it feels like we're seeing a lot more of these test positives uh, become a, a very relevant issue. Yeah, I mean, you got to take it seriously, as, as, as we've learned. Uh, and, you know, it was a scare for the Colts. But I think you look at it as, look, um, everything's been cleared up. Everything's good to go. Let's continue to take the proper precautions to make sure that everybody's safe. Uh, and you hope that every other NFL team does it. Um, as far as the on-field play goes, I mean, he just had a bad week last week. Phillip Rivers absolutely cost him that game. Um, and, and then Phillip Rivers is a guy that needs to be a game manager. He needs He's got a great defense on the other side of the football, but you can't spot teams especially like the Browns that can score points, you know, you can't, you can't post, you can't spot them nine points on a pick six and a safety. Um, you have to be perfect in road games like that um, and not give it away. So uh, Phillip Rivers absolutely cost them last week. And uh, you hope tomorrow with the Bengals, a team that's not as good um, with the rookie quarterback, they can get back on the ship and uh, get a win. Yeah. And here's the thing though. And, and I've been a, a a, uh, a guy that's defended Philip Rivers ever since we found out that he was coming here to Indianapolis. And that is that, you know, one, he's, 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 he's certainly going to be in the hall of fame, whether you like it or not, but he is who we thought he was. He is who we knew he was. That's why we only gave him one year. And 
he'll he'll throw it to the equipment manager if if he's open. But I mean, so he will make those risky chances. And and one of the things that I found disappointing out of the organization, and I don't very rarely am I critical of Frank Wright, but for him to come out after the game and say, "Don't you dare blame the quarterback for this," and then backstep and backpedal the next day and kind of say, "Well, that's not really what I meant." It really thought I thought that it showed some uh, weakness within the leadership, meaning that if he was going to make that statement, stand by it, just stand by it, own it, and, and, and you know, get beat up by the media and, and ask you questions like, hey, did you not see the same game that we saw? You know, as opposed to backpedaling after he started getting pressure from uh, the, the media, do you think Frank Reich's initial knee-jerk reaction to the media, uh, to the loss of Colts, uh, was really on par of how it should have been. Well, yeah, I mean, Frank Reich, I think about this. <clears throat> Frank Reich's a player's coach. He's been a quarterback in this league before. He knows how this goes, and he is going to blame himself before he blames the quarterback position. And, you know, Phillip Rivers is also a, a pretty stand-up guy, it seems like, and a guy that's going to own his mistakes. And, 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 and unless you – if you sit there – you know, we went through a Colts regime with Ryan Grigson and Chuck Magano where it was all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. And, oh, we're so, you know, we're great with this and we're great here instead of looking at it in the, in, the, in, the, in the mirror and saying, okay, we're not very good here and we're not very good here. We need to get better here. You know, it was all smoke and mirrors. So, um, Chuck I like that, Frank. Wasn't that, that Chuck Magano uh, saying, we're just chopping wood or something like that? <laughs> yeah, chopping wood. So, I mean, you look at it like, hey, You've got, a, you've got a guy who's going to stick up for his quarterback, but you've got a quarterback that's like, look, here's the deal. I know that I've screwed up, and I need to get better. And we'll see if Phillip Rivers can do that uh, tomorrow against the Bengals. Um, but you're right. He is exactly what we thought we were. I think the Colts put $22 million into him, knowing that if he plays like he did two years ago, they'd have a chance to win it all. But if he plays like he did last year, they're going to struggle. And so far, <clears throat> through the first couple of weeks of the season at 3-2, and two, he's played more like he did last year or he struggled to, to hit the open player, or he struggled to hit the guy in stride, or he threw behind a lot of, a lot of players and, and, and caused a lot of, a lot of chaotic mm-hmm. situations and a lot of interceptions and a lot of incomplete passes. So he needs to uh, channel his inner Phillip Rivers from two years ago if this team's going to have a chance to make the playoffs because the Titans aren't going away. The Titans are going to continue to win football games, and they yes. could run away with the division. Yeah, and absolutely. We'll get to that game here in just a second. But, I mean, you, you look at Phillip Rivers, and they've – They've invested a lot of money in him in this one-year contract. They're going to have to just literally run the wheels off. It's going to have to turn into a catastrophe for them to put in to Kobe Percet. Would you agree that that's not going to happen? That's not an option. That's not even something that they're going to look at. And fans need to stop saying that. Because we um, didn't want you have to look fans. Oh, I'm sorry. Fans didn't want Jacoby Brissett when Jacoby Brissett was there. He's not changed. He's not been around a lot, so nothing's going to change as far as winning games by putting in Jacoby Brissett. I would be more um, apt and, and more on board if they decided to put in Jacob Eason, to be honest with you. Look, I know that there's, there's $44 million tied up into that quarterback room for the Indianapolis Colts, but the, the thing is, is, look, if Phillip Rivers can't make those plays downfield, the way that the NFL is trending right now is quarterbacks that can scramble out of the pocket. Look at the success of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Even the rookie Justin Herbert in, in uh, L.A. with the Chargers, he has the ability to move the change with his feet. That's something Phillip Rivers does not have. So that's the trend that the, that the NFL is going right now 
So that's why I could see a change in Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I would rather just say, look, uh, can we? Who can we trade? Can we get rid of Philip Rivers? Can we get rid of one of these twenty-two, twenty-five million-dollar salaried quarterbacks and get somebody back? Maybe like a Sam Darnold, or hey, can we get some draft picks since we don't have any coming up? Can we can we make some moves to make ourselves better for next year and give Jacob Eason some playing time if he's possibly the future of the quarterback position with the Colts, which I think he's got a good chance to be. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting because look. Jacoby Brissett at least has the ability to extend the play and move the chains with his legs, it's something Phillip Rivers does not have. He's a pocket passer that cannot scramble. So once that pocket collapses, which it did so much last week without Anthony Costanza when they're in a couple of holding calls um, on the offensive line, you know, I wouldn't be surprised or against the quarterback change to maybe, to maybe spice it up and, and, and add a different level of dimension to that quarterback passing game where Jacoby Brissett can get those legs going and, 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 and move those chains with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, walk around the league here. We'll start over here in our AFC South. The Titans proved they were a real deal by beating a, a very good Buffalo Bills uh, team, and not only beating them, just flat out uh, smoking them. Uh, and so the Texans haven't been that impressive either. Uh, so you, you're right. The Titans aren't going anywhere. The Titans have the Texans at home uh, tomorrow with fans, uh, certainly not at full capacity, but just like everybody else, they're, they're getting to add more and more uh, to it. So what are your thoughts on the Texans and the Titans? Yeah, I think the Titans should be able to win this game relatively easily. We just don't know what the Texans are. We thought that they would come out with an inspiring effort last week. Um, and blow out the Jaguars, which they did, but it was a little bit closer than what that 30-14 to 14 score showed. Um, the Titans just continue to get it done, and we know how they do it. They do it with the running game. They do it with defense. And if you look, they're sitting at 4-0 right now. You could beat the Texans tomorrow. That's 5-0. You get the Steelers at home. That's tough. That's a winnable game, though. 6-0. You can go to Cincinnati and win. That's 7-0. Then you get the Bears and Colts. You're looking at possibly a 9-0 Titans team before they got to go to Baltimore um, at the end of November to play the Ravens. So, um, I'm on board with the Titans, and I think that there's a chance that they're going to run this division and run the table on it. Let's go ahead and, and talk about the Eagles. And it's certainly good to see the Eagles finally get a win underneath their belt after a loss and a tie and this and that and the other. And they are having time struggling. And certainly I've talked about this with Ed before, but the Ravens are a tough team. To, even though no matter what it looks like in the standings in the NFC, uh, the Ravens are a tough team. And I look for them to come into – uh, Philadelphia and not show them any brotherly love. Yeah, the Ravens have been one of those teams this year that you just kind of you want to scratch your head. You know how good they can be, um, and to blow out one of the Bengals last. But you think about you know some of their other games so far this year. You blow out the Browns, that's great, uh, but you lose to the Texans or you, excuse me, you lose to the Chiefs pretty bad. And people forget. I mean, they won by two touchdowns over the Washington football team, but but they struggled with that game on the road. And the Eagles are a better team, so I'm a betting guy. I'm not going to lay the points with the Ravens tomorrow. Um, I would almost take the Eagles plus plus the points tomorrow. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer game than what a lot of people think. I, I'm not really sold on the Ravens quite yet, and I think I don't want to say this is a surging Eagles team at one and three, um, but you look at that. You know, they could obviously score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points. Um, so I, I'm kind of hesitant on this game. If I'm betting it, I would probably take the Philadelphia Eagles and the points. But um, as a betting guy, I'm simply going to stay away from this one. I think the Ravens win this one by about three to five points. 
And, yeah, absolutely. And go through a couple more games here. And then I wanted to just, because uh, you, you were talking about betting, remind me that I wanted to get your thoughts on our college football uh, games of the week this week that we that we talked about earlier. But let's talk a little bit about the Falcons and the Vikings. I like the Falcons in this in this matchup on the road. I am totally against the Falcons in every game the rest of the year. They've, they've cost <laughs> too many people too much money. They're 0-5. They're blowing leads. And it's just time to simply look and say, okay, this is a bad Falcons football team. Now, the Panthers are a lot better than what people thought. Teddy Bridgewater's playing well. They get blown out to one of the hottest NFC teams right now, the Packers. They blow a huge lead to the Bears, blow a huge lead to the Cowboys, and they lost by double digits to the Seattle Seahawks. The Vikings played well last week in Seattle. Yes, they're 1-4. They struggled off the gate, but they've had really, really tough teams. If you look at the schedule, they lost by nine to the Packers. They came to Indianapolis. That's still a tough game. They lost. They lost by one at home to the Titans. They beat the Texans, and they lost by one to the Seahawks. I think the Vikings are probably the best one-in-three team in the NFL right now, and I think they'll have no problems tomorrow handling the Falcons. Who's the game of the week, in, you, in your opinion, this week in the NFL? You know, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think the game of the week, really just watching how COVID plays havoc, and I, I'm waiting, Tom, for the week that we see five out of the – we, we see games on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because I think that we are well on our way to possibly having that happen, um, as we know, with the way that the COVID outbreak situation has been happening, um, the way that things have been, have been going with that. Um, the game of the week, to me, um, you can take one out of the AFC, you can take one out of the NFC. You've got to go Green Bay and Tampa Bay. That's a big game tomorrow at 4. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the Monday, the Monday night game that kicks off at 5 o'clock, on Monday between the Bills and the Chiefs, that should be a pretty damn good uh, football contest as well. I agree with you. The Packers and, and the and the the Buccaneers are going to be a great game, that's for sure. Well, let's uh, go back to our college uh, uh, football hour, and we'll just kind of go through uh, games that that we went through and get your picks on on it and your picks as far as if you want to make a pick on this on these as far as with betting goes, but. We learned recently just during this show that uh, Nick Saban tested negative, so he will be able to, to be on the sidelines against uh, Georgia. So you got Bama and Georgia, and, you know, we all uh, decided that this was going to be a good game for Georgia to win. Uh, it's going to be a close game. But I think that Georgia can win even with Nick Saban on the sidelines, but they've got to do some key things to make that happen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a this is a smack you right in the right in the mouth game for for both sides of the football. This is the old SEC clash. The the weather is starting to turn. The shadows are going to be over Alabama with an eight o'clock start. It'll be dark. Uh, the Crimson Tide are going to be rolling. Uh, Georgia's a really good football team. Thomas is going to come down to who doesn't make mistakes late. And so far, Georgia has proven that they have not made mistakes all season. Their quarterback uh, Bennett has not made any interceptions. They're a team that has taken care of business so far with a 3-0 and record. They had a tough game with the Tennessee Volunteers last week where they, where they pulled away. They, they spanked Auburn in week number two, who was ranked. This game, I think, is going to come down to who has the momentum in the football last. There's a chance, you're right, that Georgia could win this game. We know Alabama can put up points, but we also know Alabama can give up points. We saw them give up 48 points on the road last week to Ole Miss. We saw them give 24 points up to Texas A&M a few weeks ago and 19 to a crappy Missouri team. And I know 19 and 24 doesn't seem like a lot of points, but when you're an Alabama football team that's, that's built your dynasty on defense, 
Uh, we'll see if Najee Harris can get going. He had five rushing touchdowns last week. That's the most in Alabama history. If they, if Georgia's defense can slow down Najee Harris today and make them a one-dimensional football team and make them have to throw the football, Georgia's got a chance today to go into Alabama and, and pull up the upset. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to who has the football last. I give the slight advantage to, it, to Alabama, but I'm not going to be surprised if Georgia pulls this off. You're absolutely right there. Of course, Oklahoma State Baylor got canceled. The other big game that we had, uh, everybody was talking about here on the show, was is Kentucky versus Tennessee. I'm the I, I'm the uh, anomaly. I, I'm going with Kentucky on this. I think it's going to be a close game, uh, but I really think that the Kentucky Wildcats have what it takes to beat the Tennessee Volunteers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean Kentucky's a team that had high expectations coming into the year. Obviously, they blew up Mississippi State last week, but yeah. but losses to Auburn, that's a game that they had a chance to win, even though they lost by 16. That was a closer game than what it looked like on paper. They lost in overtime to Ole Miss. Um, I don't see any way um, in heck, and you and I can bet a cheeseburger over at uh, a working man's friend, if you'd like, that Tennessee oh, yeah. beats Kentucky. And I'll lay, I'll lay this today as well. So you're going to go with uh, uh, Tennessee as well? Yep. Okay. And uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, what does Jimbo got to do to make the gumbo, even though they're not in gumbo state, but it made sense when I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State is a team that you just look at and you're going, what does it it have to take for this team to have success? You know, you got Mike Leach under the helm, they can score points. So they come out in week one and they rip through number six LSU. Obviously, LSU is not as good as what they were or what people thought they were. They lose Joe Burrow. But then Arkansas beats you, and then you get spanked. You only scored two points on a safety to Kentucky last week. This is a Mississippi State team that's offense should be putting up those gaudy Mike Leach numbers. Leach did this at Texas Tech. He did this at Washington State. Now he's came to Mississippi State, and there's been some major adjustments to his offensive side of the football game because we know that the SEC is built on defense. Um, Tom, if I took a nap and woke up at 7 o'clock tonight and you said Texas A&M blew out Mississippi State, I'd be like, not surprised. And if you woke me up and said Mississippi State blew out Texas A&M, I wouldn't be surprised. The five-point spread for a reason. Um, we'll see if Mississippi State can use that home field advantage to knock off Texas A&M, but it's going to be tough. A&M, a huge win last week over a Florida team where people were talking about going to be in the top – five towards the end of the year and be in that college football playoff. Notre Dame and Louisville, here's a game where a lot of people are, are talking about and, and looking at. But I think that, that, one, Notre Dame didn't look as good as they could have, and I think that they can score some points. I, I just I, – I really think this is going to be a good win for Notre Dame, like a 45-24 type win. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Notre Dame, in the past, it's different than any other Notre Dame team that I've seen probably over the last 10 years. Notre Dame teams at home just seem to play down to the competition. A 14-point win over Duke a couple weeks ago. They didn't cover that spread, but that game was close. I mean, Duke got off to a 3-0 lead, um, and, and, and they were only down 10-6 at halftime. Then they took a lead in the third. Notre Dame came alive with 10 points in the fourth quarter. Louisville, I just I thought they were going to be better than what they were. But getting blown out, you know, starting out the season ranked, um, going into my or having Miami come to town and lose, then losing to Pittsburgh, it's been a tough go for Louisville. I think Georgia Tech is a little bit better team than what people think. I like Georgia Tech to cover the 27 points today, taking on Clemson. But I think Notre Dame will have a have an easy win today, Tom. 
But I wouldn't lay that 16 and a half. I just don't think they're good enough to beat. I think Louisville's too good to be beaten by more than two scores uh, at Notre Dame. All right. The the chase is on for the World Series. Uh, the Braves did what the Braves do uh, every year in the postseason, and they let the Dodgers sneak back in it. I think that was a big mistake. This thing's going to go to seven games. Uh, but I, I certainly think that the the Braves don't close it up tonight. What are your thoughts on the Braves and the Dodgers this afternoon? Well, you know, Tom, you think about where they were, what, 36 hours ago? Clayton Kershaw on the mound. They get a victory. They're up three games. You know, they, they absolutely spanked them 10-2. to two. Coming off the game before on Wednesday, remember they lost 15-3. to three. It was, what, 11 runs in that first inning. They come back, they knock off the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw. You got a 3-1 lead. You're in the driver's seat. And then last night, the Dodgers come right back out, and they hit you right in the mouth in the middle of the game at 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth innings. The Dodgers are so good in those late innings. Um, and they go on to win. And you look at today's matchup, a 4-38 start. Um, you got you to think with Walker Bueller on the mound, it's going to be a pitcher's duel. We're going to see a low-scoring game this afternoon. I think that that favors the Braves. If this game ends up being a 2-1 or a 3-2 or a 1-0 type game, I think the Braves advance to the World Series. But if the Dodgers come out with hot bats and they're in the game throughout throughout the entire way and it gets into a shootout, the Dodgers have the advantage. Tom, this was almost too close to call. I would take the Dodgers and the experience to push to a game seven tomorrow night. Um, at 8:15, so I, I'm going to take the Dodgers today, which which might buck me because that seems to be what happens when I pick the Dodgers. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm right there with you on that. I, I picked the Dodgers to go into seven games and even to go on to the World Series. So we got Game Seven today against the uh, the Trash Canners. I mean the Astros and the Rays. I like the Rays a lot. I think the Rays go on to the World Series to play the Dodgers and the Rays beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Yeah, um, I, you know, the Astros are a team that I've learned not to bet against regardless of their schedule. Charlie Morton has been good so far on the mound for Tampa. I've got a little bit of favoritism when it comes to the Rays. Um, I have a friend who works for the Rays, and then Mike Rousseau had that huge home run a few nights ago. He's from my hometown, Portage, Indiana, with Andrean High School. Um, I'm going to take the Rays and hope they can get it done tonight in game seven. Um, that might be a sucker bet because, look, Lance McCullers has been really good so far, and the and the Astros simply Tom have that playoff experience. That's going to be huge tonight. This is going to be another must watch. Come down to the end, close game. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, is joining us. Tony, appreciate you joining us and helping us break down some NFL, some college football, and a little bit of racing. Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Well, you haven't mentioned it yet, um, and you haven't mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, but I'm looking to move to 5-1 and one in the Fantasy League tomorrow. Um, got back on the winning streak last week. Um, so I, yeah. I've got a tough one this week. Russell, Russell Wilson is on that bye. Um, him and DK Metcalf have scored me a lot of points so far, so I'm going to have to make up for that tomorrow. So I need a little Ryan Fitzmagic to get going. And hopefully uh, we'll move to 5-1 and one and keep up in first place in your Fantasy League in the Bounds Fantasy League, but you can find me on Twitter at Tony D Indy. Uh, the Tony D Podcast is up. Um, I've, I've done three or four episodes this week looking at the Colts, talking a little racing silly season. And then yesterday, if you're an IndyCar fan and you're a fan of racing, I did a little memorial, as I do every year, for the death of Dan Weldon, who was a friend of mine. 
and uh, it's there's there's some great insider stories that that I share about uh, Dan and I's time together. That's great. We'll get that up for sure, most definitely. Tony, we appreciate it, and we'll see how you end up in the in the fantasy standings. <laughs> All right. Take care, Tom. Have a good weekend. You too. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us. And, yes, uh, he does have some bragging rights within uh, the fantasy league, and we'll see uh, We'll see what happens. we got a, a little bit of everybody in the, the uh, Balanced Fantasy League as well. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at T-Balance, Facebook The Balance, and make sure you download us on uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us. And make sure uh, that you do that. We appreciate you joining us. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. My name is Tom Mark. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.